So it is really about having the conversation with yourself about choosing not to feel like a victim because blaming other people for something that having something that you don't have will only get you less. You know, it's like the rich get richer and the poor get poorer because of the thinking. It's your thinking that makes it so. This is the Weekly Wealth Podcast with certified financial planner, David Chudik, where we discuss the wealth building mindsets and tactics that can help you to build and maintain wealth for you, your family, and your business. Well, hello, everybody, and welcome to this week's episode of the Weekly Wealth Podcast, where we talk about the mindsets, we talk about the strategies, and we talk about the tactics to help you to build and maintain wealth. My name is David Chudik, and I am a certified financial planner with Parallel Financial. And what that means is that I help my clients to make the right financial decisions for them for the reasons that are important to them. So is there anything keeping you up at night? And some of the things that I'm hearing nowadays are people are wondering, should I have my money invested in the stock markets while the markets are at all-time highs? Um, people are concerned about inflation and people are concerned about the potential for rising taxes. So if these or anything else are keeping you up at night, email me, david at parallelfinancial.com. And let's talk about if there are any next steps for you. But today I am just super excited to talk with Deborah Peters, and she is the founder of the Neuroengineering Institute. Um, she helps CEOs and executives and really just all types of people break the rules and have an enriched life uh, by, by their mindsets and learning other tactics. So, hey, Deborah, how are you? I am so blessed to be here. Thank you for having me as your guest. Well, I'm excited uh, to have you. I just love... Uh, diving into mindsets and, and just how to be successful, because it's always fascinated me to see certain athletic teams are like they win almost every year. So they don't have like the lucky one game win and certain businesses are successful all the time. So I've always been fascinated by success. So, well, tell me a little bit about your business and maybe about your background. So we are a small consulting and coaching firm. Um, I've been doing this for about 20 years in 17 countries and in a wide variety of industries and many different sized organizations. It's a passion of mine to help people shift into higher levels of creation, whatever that happens to be for them. So when I'm working with a company or, you know, small business, mid-sized company, it's always about the mindset of the leadership and then how they take that throughout their organization so that that organization is a, a place of fulfillment for the staff, for the teams, for people to express their greatness, their gifts, and find joy in that. And obviously, when you have all of that going on, you have profitability. So I'm, I'm really kind of on a mission to, to change how we look at business. You know, we're, we've been conditioned to look at business as being this hard thing that is a struggle and that most of them fail. And none of that is true because that is just a belief system. And a belief is a thought that you think over and over and over 
And then it becomes a system of thinking that hijacks the possibilities and causes people to not enjoy their job or not enjoy their work. And, and then everything spirals badly up from there. So it's really about helping business leaders really, truly thrive. I love it. As a business leader, it took me a long time to get over the belief that I had to be here in the office until 5 p.m. That's not written in stone anywhere. But um, and now sometimes I'm here after 5 p.m. Sometimes I'm, I'm not. But um, it was just a belief. There's some rule somewhere that you have to work nine to five. And, and that's just simply not the case. And that's a freeing, uh, a freeing thought uh, for me, uh, at least. So you've had, you've had kind of a tough life and, and you've gone through some struggles kind of growing up and in your past. So, so I want to first, because I think it's very important for people who are struggling to hear that other people struggle too, and some yeah. people get out of their struggle. So tell me about some of your struggles and, and you term it that you outlived your past. I mean, what does that mean? And, and how did you outlive your past? And maybe even more importantly, why did you outlive your past? And maybe why do some people not outlive their pasts? I know, right? That's such a loaded question. Um, you have so 14 up, seconds to answer it. <laughs> <laughs> I grew up on a farm and um, thank God, because it really taught me so much about how the universe really works and that, you know, food actually comes out of the ground and you have a relationship with mother nature instead of picking it off a shelf in a store, but that's another conversation. So um, yeah, it was really, it was really hard to just accept that we were the family we were. I mean, to this day, I probably still think to myself, like, how is that possible? But, you know, it was a lot of alcoholism in my family and everything that goes with alcoholism, including sexual abuse and and violence and criticism and just no one ever really expected anyone to move past that paradigm. I mean, we wanted to, but wanting to and expecting to are two different things. So I was uh, a mom at 15, you know, I had my daughter when I was in high school, I was a single mother the entire time her growing up. And um, it, it just was, you know, there's always two sides to every experience, right? There's the hardship and then there's the blessing. So I think there's, a, there's something in me and I think it's in everyone where we can pivot toward the blessing if we allow ourselves to focus on that and not and not keep pivoting toward being the victim. And, you know, look, there was many years of my life where I felt like a victim. I've, I've certainly had my own share of pity parties, <laughs> um, but there was, there's always something there in the back of my mind saying, get up, get up, move forward, you know, take another step, like dream another dream use your imagination more. Like there's always this little voice that is constantly saying, this is, this too shall come to pass. You just need to take another step toward what you want. And 
somehow I just managed to do it, even though when I was doing it, it was painful. You know, so it's hard to move past a deep generational programs of poverty and dysfunction and addiction. I mean, there's nothing harder. Now, I, I, I agree. And I think that it's not a judgmental thing. And I, I interviewed Tom Corley, who wrote a book called Rich Habits. And he basically, he, he came up with, he studied and did a scientific study. And there are certain things that rich people do and, and rich people don't do. And there are certain things that poor people do and don't do. So I forget what his definition was of rich was, but it was, it was back in, I think the late nineties or 2000, it was like had a $200,000 house and, and something like 90% of all homes above that value had some form of a library, meaning a bookcase of Mm. books and of quote, poor people, there was like literally zero or almost zero books in a house. So it doesn't mean that God doesn't love you if you don't have books um, and, and if you're not quote rich, but what it does mean is if you're not reading books, you're probably watching too much, just reality TV, which has no fruit to it, or you're not enriching your mind. And just those habits over time, they take you to where you get and our habits compound for us or they compound against us constantly. I mean, there's just, that's just a reality that sometimes I don't even like because that it, it works for me too, um, negatively, uh, sometimes. For sure. Yeah. And I would take it another step is that it's not, yes, it's what rich people do and what poor people don't do, or maybe even what poor people do that they shouldn't do, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, But it's really behind that is the thinking and how, how, how you talk to yourself. You know, you will always live and die by the quality of our self-talk. And then it's how you feel about yourself. And this was my big hurdle was I didn't feel good about myself. I felt, I felt poor. I felt unwanted. I, you know, the abandonment, the emotional abandonment. Now on the level of poverty, were you kind of looking back the poorest of anybody you knew, or maybe looking back, were you kind of okay and and just not you know, super, know, one of the super right? rich kids, like, like how realistically, what was it? What was it? Yeah. Because it's all perception. Right. So, especially when you're a kid, especially when you're a child. And um, so, you know, we never starved. I mean, my mom took incredible care of us. We never starved. We always had food. We always had clothing. We didn't have any toys per se, like the other neighbor, like I didn't have a mini bike. I didn't have a snowmobile. I didn't have any of the toys which was a blessing because I had my imagination. So that's what really, I think, gave me this tremendous tool to keep leveling up, regardless what was happening in my world. But we didn't have a flush toilet till I was 10. You know, we didn't really have indoor plumbing and we lived in a cold climate where it was like 40 below in the wintertime or more. So, you know, these are the, this is the point I want to make is like, what is poor? Well, poor is really a mindset. Mm-hmm. It's not a material experience. Poor is a mindset. Scarcity is a mindset. Then taking it past, okay, well, how am I looking at myself? Am I looking at myself for what I don't have? And I'm judging myself because I don't have these 
material possessions? Well, if you do, you're going to cut yourself off from your possibilities because every person has within them the capacity for greatness. And it's just a matter of cultivating that. So you have to make different choices. And yeah, it's hard to say, for example, if your family is busy watching TV all the time and complaining about the neighbors and how they feel like a victim because people, other people have more than they do. It's, it's hard to walk away from that and cultivate new habits. I'm not saying it's easy. I remember when I started, I quit drinking. Oh my gosh. When I quit drinking alcohol, I quit drinking for 10 years and started working out. I owned a gym, started eating healthy and using different kinds of supplements and they pretty much thought I was crazy and I lost all my friends. I had nothing in but common why, with why people. Did the, why did you make that change, which presumably were difficult changes? Why did you make the change and why did other people around you not? Isn't that a hard question? I wanted something different for myself. Mm-hmm. I wanted different experiences. Mm-hmm. So Again, it's connecting to your um, intuition, let's call it your higher self, your inner being, your spirit. There's always been a little nagging voice in me that said, you can be more. And learning to tune into that, you just have to want it. It desires everything. Yeah. And when you want it and you desire it, you are inspired to take steps toward it. Look, what you are seeking is seeking you. Mm -hmm. So if you want wealth, you'll have it. Making a choice, sometimes it's like every second you have to re-choose. Not like you choose once and everything gets easy. Patterns run deep, right? We're talking about patterns of thinking, patterns of feeling, might be generational curses. Like this stuff runs deep. If you're the pioneer, if you're the game changer in the family, it's not going to be easy. Yeah. But I promise you, it's going to be good. If you've ever listened to like a champion athlete, they always say, you know, you see me holding up the trophy and smiling. You don't know everything that I've done, what I, what I had to eat and not eat and, and what I had to give up and, and literally on a daily basis. Cause at the top level of sports, everybody is super talented. So talent isn't enough. It's, it's the extra that they do. The and um, yeah, it's hard. It can, it can definitely, uh, definitely be hard. So victim mentality is is one of the things that I really try to fight against when I'm talking to anybody. And, and sometimes I think you need to be gentle, but you said earlier, you said I was pregnant at 15, which I think is interesting because quite frequently I'll hear somebody say I wound up pregnant, which is kind of like, I mean, Again, not judging, but there's an activity that has to take place and um, it's not a wound up. It's, it's, I was pregnant and, and I did that. And then, because I think what we think about affects how we talk and how we talk affects our actions and, and, and our attitudes and that affects our results. So, so like victim mentality, 
talk to me about like, how do you, or how can anybody get out of victim mentality? Cause it's so, so dangerous. And, but, but also I think it is unfair to say that we're not victims at all. I mean, certainly, I mean, there are negative circumstances in all of our lives, but you got to beat them, right. Or you have to do what you can to beat them. For sure. And so First of all, I want to acknowledge that in terms of victim mentality, it is a social construct. So for anyone out there that's struggling with feeling sorry for themselves, I get it. We live in a social construct that cultivates victim mentality, feeling sorry for people that can't seem to get past circumstances instead of teaching them tools. So, you know, that old saying, you give a man a fish, you feed him for a day, you teach a man to fish and you feed him for a lifetime. And this is the missing link in most of society. So it is really about having the conversation with yourself about choosing not to feel like a victim because Blaming other people for something that having something that you don't have will only get you less. You know, it's like the rich get richer and the poor get poorer because of the thinking. It's your thinking that makes it so. And the first step is realizing that how much power you have. You see, when you feel like a victim and you have a victim mentality, you just don't know how powerful you are. And so it's really a training of the mind. It's a program that runs throughout society that, oh, poor you, you just don't have any power. We have all the power. You're not gonna be able to get past this point. And it's like, no, I, I am the power, right. not I have anything. Whatever follows the I am statement is what you become. I am powerful, I am wealthy, I am healthy, I am happy. And you have to choose to change your self-talk and then your entire world reflects that change back to you. So let me be devil's advocate. It's, uh, it's the first of the month and the rent is due tomorrow and that money is not in the bank. I can say I am wealthy, but I don't have the rent money. So what do I do at that point? You know, because it's a legitimate problem that mm -hmm. the immediate solution is not there. So how does somebody kind of dig out from, from that point? Well, first of all, saying I am wealthy and not having the rent money are, are not equal situations. So saying I am wealthy and, and reprogramming and repatterning is an ongoing process it doesn't fall from the sky. You know, the money doesn't fall from the sky. So you have to be honest with yourself. I remember when I owned my gym and um, I used to put up these signs. And one of the signs I put up is, you know, take off all your clothes, stand in front of the mirror, jump up and down. If it jiggles, it's fat. And it was a way of shocking people into, because I, I had, I owned my gym in a community where people were like drinkers and smokers, which was really tough. Um, and I was looking for some shock value to have people really take some stock, some inventory of themselves to bolster my, my gym memberships. 
And, you know, I actually got clients off of that because they're like, whoa, that was a way of like me looking at myself in a light that I hadn't looked at myself before. So let's say you have this pattern of getting to month end and you don't have the money for the rent, then you're in reactionary mode. Like you're trying to put out a fire. You have to decide at that moment that when this fires out and you've got that rent paid, that you are never going to allow yourself to be in this position again. And you're not going to wait all month next month to get to the end of the month and have the same problem because you will, because that's what patterns are. Patterns are just, and look, you know, that's a reflection of a, a, a belief system, not having the rent every month and letting it continue to be a thing. And I know I'm really making a point out of this, but I think it needs to be made is a, a belief system that doesn't serve you. Mm -hmm. So, you know, there's no failure in life. There's only feedback. And so if you're looking at the results you're getting and the results are what you want, you're on the right track with yourself. If you're looking at the results you're getting and the results are not what you want, you need to choose. And I know I keep saying that word over and over and over because it, success is a choice. Happiness is a choice. Wealth is a choice. Yeah. You know, and I think it was Tony Robbins that said, we all get what we tolerate. And, you know, if, if, if struggling for the rent every month is okay with you, it's going to keep happening. Um, if you look in the mirror and you jump up and down and too much jiggles, if that's okay with you, you're going to go eat ice cream. Hey. If it's not, you know, you're going to do the hard things that are inconvenient and you're not going to just do them today. You're going to do them continuously. Cause I always say nobody, nobody had very few people have ever had financial ruin from one bad financial mistake and nobody gets fat from one, from one bad meal. I mean, you know, right. we gain weight over time from, from bad habits. And most of the time that people have uh, negative financial situations or negative relationship situations, it's, it's any relationship can, can, can overcome one fight, but sure. it's, it's, it's constant, you know, year long habits that destroy. And I think our habits are very, very important. So sure. tell me about your company and tell me about some of the types of people that you work with and how you work with them. So it's been an interesting journey. Um, and it's been all kinds of people from, all different cultures. You know, I've done speeches and training programs and coaching programs in 17 countries. Across. So is victim mentality more or less pre prevalent in certain areas? Right, right. Um, yes. Yes, it is. Some of it's cultural coding okay. for sure. Yeah. And some of it's um, environmental. Okay. Um, some of it is, um, I suppose you could pinpoint some of it is just the societal structure. Mm -hmm. I think, you know, I think cause we're in America and I, I think in America there's been this well laid out, um, point of view or model of the world let's call it that, that is about entrepreneurism, which is thrilling to me because who you become 
as a human is expressed through the act of business. You know, unless you're being taken care of or you have, you know, an unlimited bank account, you don't have to go to work every day. But, but I mean, let's, even then, you know, we're creators and we want to create because we have this, look, our unconscious mind, I call it unconscious instead of subconscious, our, because it's the part of us that most of us aren't really aware of, you know, we're just not that self-aware to understand what's driving the bus that's going on in the back of our mind. And so we have these prime directives. There's about 13 of them. And one of them is that we are hardwired to constantly seek more. We are hardwired to constantly seek more. So you ever notice children at, at Christmas when they're unwrapping their presents, they, they, they're like so excited and passionate and they unwrap a gift and they look at it and they're like, whoa, this is amazing. Thank you. Thank you. Toss onto yep. the next one. Toss mm-hmm. on. The right. And they go be better. Yeah. And, and so, you know, as adults, we're thinking, you know, this ungrateful child of mine. And it's like, no, it's like insatiable in us that we are hardwired to constantly seek more. So as an adult, understanding that and then satiating that with creative projects, with bigger goals, with expansion of possibilities in different areas of our lives. That's what makes you a spirit in a human being. And so that's really the key. And that's what I've discovered is in some cultures or some um, environments is is dumbed down or it's not championed you know there's like you can dumb it down you can not champion it those those can hold anyone from really grasping into their greatness and going for it no matter how challenging it is you know the growth is in feeling uncomfortable. I was thinking that this morning when I was running the stairs and I did an extra set and I'm like, yeah, I did an extra set today. Was it hard? Yeah. I was out of breath big time. I was hurting, but therein lies the the growth. You see now I have a greater lung capacity because I did an extra set of stairs. Little by little. Absolutely. Little by little. Absolutely. Yeah. No, there, there's no question that, you know, if we could all be a little bit better tomorrow than we were today and a little bit better the next day, and then maybe the next day we slip back because we're humans, but then the next day we recover over time, over years and decades, that is a tremendous, tremendous amount of, um, of improvement. Yeah. Can I add something to that? Absolutely. So, um, so it's all about, yes, you can, you can install a new habit and or change a pattern that's not working for you um, with repetition. And the repetition is 3721. Now, you've heard this saying, it takes 21 days to change a habit, right? Sure. It's very common, but it's not true. It really takes somewhere between 3, 7, and 21 repetitions. Okay. So could you go into an immersion process and hit that 21st repetition in one day? Absolutely. Of course, depending on what it is, right? Mm-hmm. I'm not right. going to go run 10 flights of stairs 21 times in a day 
you know? So you have to, you have to take it in with, in context. But the point is, is that it's somewhere between three, seven and 21 repetitions, and you can install any new pattern you want. The question is, and I get this all the time, how do I know how many repetitions? You don't, because it depends on how deeply rooted the significant emotional event of the bat of the negative pattern, let's say the pattern that doesn't produce the results. It depends on how deeply rooted that significant emotional event was, which is the trigger, the root to every pattern in your life. We all have significant emotional events that create patterns. You know, some might be good, some might mm-hmm. be un, you know, unhealthy, but we all have a trigger point. So depending on how deeply ingrained that is, meaning how attached to it are you, how much of your life support system um, buys into it, how much are you um, defending it, you know, defending your limitations. It's like, yeah, but you don't know how hard my life is. No, I don't. And I don't need to know. I just need to know what you want to create. Mm-hmm. That's all I need to know. Cause you tell me what you want to create and I'll give you the tools to create it. Yeah. So do you want to create that life or do you want to keep living in this? Oh, what was me? How hard my life was yeah. scenario. And, and you have that choice and, and the, the dwelling on the past may be the easier choice, but I think sometimes we can choose pain now, or we can choose pain. Later. I know, right? So the pa- <laughs> the pain now gives us a less painful life later on uh, the comfort now, maybe just prolongs, prolongs the pain, uh, later on. So, yeah, so this is really fascinating. And I, and I love talking about mindsets because I believe in this, anybody who wanted to find out a little bit more about you and your company, where would they find you online? So my website, it's, um, N E I mind with a D, uh, com. So N E I mind go there and you'll find my podcasts and, and yours will be there soon as soon as you send me the recording and um, the link to my YouTube channel, which has like over 200 free coaching videos. If, uh, if you're in business, find me on LinkedIn. LinkedIn is like um, a cool place for business growth. So yeah, check me out there too. I love it. I love it. Okay. So two questions before we call it an episode. Number one, for anybody, whether they engaged your services or not? What are one or two things that somebody can take away from this podcast and either do or not do, if it's something that they need to stop doing, that can really change their life and put them on the right trajectory, like today, like as soon as their podcast is over, what are one or two things they can do? So first of all, you can be, do, and have anything. And so the focus needs to be on the being, because the being is what creates the having and the doing. So who do you want to be? Maybe have a think about that, you know, get yourself a journal and start writing out some things about yourself that you would like to become. Maybe it's more fit. Maybe it's more healthy. Maybe it's, it's more in control of your emotions. Maybe it's, it's more wealthy. Maybe it's, it's more loving and kind and generous of spirit. Start to cultivate a picture with feeling about who you want to be, because that is the key to everything. A lot of coaches and trainers talk about visualization. 
there's a missing piece to that. Visualizing is not enough. You have to attach the feeling. So one of the things you can do immediately is get yourself a little notebook, start compiling aspects of yourself that you would like to be, you know, happier, healthier, kinder, uh, more energetic, whatever it is for you. And then spend 15 minutes a day, morning and night, and visualize that with feeling. How would it feel to be wealthy? How would it feel to be healthy? How would it feel to um, be in the, in the love relationship of your life? And practice that. Remember, 3721. It's, it's free. You just do it for yourself every day because you're, you're running patterns anyway. Right, right. Yep. Make We're them all the ones you choose. It's just what are you disciplined to? Exactly. So, perfect. And the final question, since we are the weekly wealth podcast, I would love to know your definition of true wealth. What is your definition of true wealth? Self-love. Okay. It's self-love and everything comes from that because if you can't love yourself, you can't receive can't receive love you can't receive money you can't receive more business you can't go through life hating yourself and expecting other parts of your life to expand that is fascinating and very wise too because i think sometimes if you don't love yourself or like yourself you're almost self-sabotage so you don't have success because you may not even feel mm -hmm. like you deserve it and, and and do do the small things that prevent you from from having success so this was excellent. So anybody who's interested, go to www.neimind.com. Uh, check out some of the, the link to the YouTube channel. Watch some videos. I mean, in today's world, even if nobody ever engaged your services, you're giving away so much for free that there's really no excuse for any of us uh, to, to not be on the road to success. I mean, this it's all out there for free. So we appreciate your time. We appreciate your wisdom. And until next episode, we wish everybody a blessed week. Thank you. Thank you, David.